0: Hello and welcome along to episode 80 of Talking Dogs on Thursday with myself, Barry Drake. This week, we're going to welcome another great guest on the podcast. We're going to say hello to a man that's based in the UK. He's not our first guest um, that has been based in the UK. Of course, we spoke to Paul Carpenter in the past, but this time we're going to give a very big warm welcome um, to Jonathan Hobbs. Of course, who will be known to you as Manny by Hobbsy. Hobbsy, I've been a big fan of yours over the last number of Years and that uh, great to have you on the podcast today. Uh,
1: likewise, Barry, and it's uh, podcast number eight.
0: Been a busy man. Yeah, that's right. They don't be long, I suppose. Um, adding up on to yeah, number eighty this week. So look, it's um, it's great to be putting it out there every week. We've had some fabulous guests, and I'm sure you won't uh, disappoint. I suppose. Look, tell us. Firstly, Hobsey, love to ask um, all our guests on the podcast maybe about your earliest memories of greyhound racing and how you got involved with our great sport.
1: Yeah, I think first off, uh, you know, what you're doing, great for ground racing, Barry, so to kick on. Um, there's a picture of me at the old Crayford Stadium. I would have been two years old standing next to a dog owned by my, by my father. Um, so, so that would be probably the, the first experience as a, as a toddler. But it probably wasn't until about 10 years later when we had dogs at the old Catford Stadium and then you know, became more involved in the sport as owners, really. So that would be the earliest memory.
0: They must have been great days, um, Hobbsy, because I suppose, you know, we all hear about these great stories about the great tracks back in the day in the UK and the massive crowd that used to be in attendance. Obviously, look, I suppose society has has changed now with, you know, television, um, with all the races on TV and, you know, playstations and all this stuff kids are doing. But, um, you know, just just give us a flavour of maybe what what was going on back in the day in, in those great tracks.
1: Well, I think it has relevance to uh, the news that broke, you know, this week, and 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 obviously the, you know, the, the requirement I think for, for for ground racing to to make sure that Shelbourne Park continues, you know, for for many many years to come, because you know it's a city-based track, and, and boy, Barry, do we miss the city-based tracks in in London, because they were fantastic. You know, your likes of, of Catford, where I cut my teeth, the likes of you know Walthamstow and, and Wimbledon, and you know, slightly before my time. Although I visited both White City and Haringey, in fact, um, you know, were, were, were extraordinary places, and you can imagine that the atmosphere that was that was generated. Um, I think the big difference is that, unlike Shelburne Park, which was has kept up with the times and is a brilliant modern facility, and probably the and, and, and for me the greatest round stadium in the world. That. Sadly, those London tracks were sort of allowed into disrepair and, and just neglected, I suppose, in many ways. But, you know, you say to, to look back, and you've got to look back fondly. You can't turn back time. And and they were magical days. And, and anybody who spent an evening at, at any of those London tracks, especially if you're you know, a boy from the capital like myself anyway, then they're, they're heady memories <laughs> You know, long long nights, cheering on the dogs, fantastic atmospheres, and generally two-sided stadiums as as well, and and that's a rare thing these days. Whether you're talking Irish ground racing or or UK ground racing, and the cauldron that that you know that provided the atmosphere that provided was 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 superb. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, we can uh, replicate those uh, the big nights in the UK. And you guys can certainly do it across the water, anyway. So. Yeah, memories of fantastic nights, incredible greyhounds, legendary trainers. Yeah, they were the halcyon days, I suppose, in, in, in many ways. Um, anybody who knows me, that I kind of always try to appreciate time, but look on the bright side and I'm very optimistic. And, and, you know, there's plenty of life in this sport. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the major nights that we have, in both UK and, and Irish ground racing, you know, always gives me great heart and you know, helps me kind of suggest that you know we're here to stay and we're going to enjoy our sport. Moving on, yes, it has changed, uh, but you know you can always look back fondly and and yeah, uh, you know, some some memories of, of, of derbies and, and classic races of, of back in the day. Always good to always good to look back, Barry, but you know I prefer looking forward.
0: Yeah, that's uh, nicely put there, um, Hobbsy. And and just in terms of, I suppose, your, your media work, how did that all happen? Because cause we'd all have, I suppose, fond memories of watching the, the great racing and Sky um, Sports Racing. And now, of course, we're, we're absolutely blessed to have racing post Greyhound TV. And, you know, we see it in, in the, the media print and stuff like that as well. So how did that all come about? Yeah, well, I
1: mean, very briefly, I came from... I always like to think a journalistic background. I worked for radio stations, and and then a job came up at the Racing Post when I was 21, I think. So I joined them uh, on the Greyhound desk. We were sort of passionate about the sport anyway, and it was an opportunity to work for a you know, newspaper. I'd spent many of my formative years, um, probably instead of, of, of attending school, you know, <laughs> reading the Sporting Life from you know from cover to cover. So you know, to get a job at that. Uh, newspaper was was certainly a dream come true at, at that time. So so that's that's pretty much how it started and kind of snowballed from from then. And it was I suppose um, I suppose within ten years, didn't it? Sky Sports happened and we you know were up and down the country in the UK at all the major races and, and Sky Sports grounds really did pick off a uh, uh, kick off I should say and uh, and they had the pick of the action and. And they they were again you know tremendous nights and then obviously that kind of uh, ended up being um, well it was never competition but I don't think but the Racing Post on TV RPG TV came in into being and that gave more of a a seven day well I suppose at that time less less than that maybe three or four days it seems a long time ago but now of course it's seven days a week and, and saturation coverage but you know fantastic for for the sport in terms of the betting industry and. And the support that uh, you know he it can, it can give to greyhound racing, it gives still without we haven't got Sky Sports, but you know it still gives you know, owners and trainers a, a chance to see their greyhounds, and also when they have outside broadcasts as well to to have them you know being interviewed and what have you. I think that's massively important. You've always got to you know, you, you know get as many people involved as possible. I thought you know Sky Sports did that magnificently because every single greyhound racing fan, whether you're based in in, in the UK whether you're based in, in Ireland uh, even around the world there was only one place to be if you were into the sport and that was you know generally on that, on that Tuesday nights. and of course you know we moved to Wednesdays and Thursdays and did the Saturday nights and spent many nights across uh, Shelbourne Park didn't we doing the, the Irish Grand Derby which was again you know extraordinary uh, extraordinary nights and an that's pl- a privilege and a, a pleasure to to work with with those guys, and thankfully, I'm still working with Dave Lawrence, who's a you know a great great friend of Graham Racing, both sides of the water, and you know he's you know what he's done for Grand Racing is extraordinary anyway, and he still still works for RPGT with his brother Clive, so you know the guys that uh, we should be indebted to
0: without a doubt and in terms of you know racing post greyhound TV obviously when you know when it all started I used to be watching it it was all you know English greyhound racing but now they're giving you know Irish greyhound racing uh, so much coverage it's absolutely fantastic for for, the, for people that are you know so passionate about the sport here in Ireland but I often used to say I don't think the, the, the people in the UK used to appreciate RPG TV enough because to have that service and all that fantastic English greyhound racing I just never could understand maybe how how you know they didn't know how lucky they were? Mm.
1: Well, I think you're right, and I think anybody who knows me knows that you know I kind of balk at any sort of criticism. Look, you know, no, nothing's ever perfect in this world, but you know, I, I maintain that they're these are people with with ground racing at their heart, and they're doing their best, and um, you know, they're, they're always looking forward. And and obviously, you know, with, with the the deal to show top class. Iraqis, can only be a positive i mean you know how many times do we sort of cast our eyes over you know to what's going on over there with a major race we're in obviously in the middle of the the brestbert easter cup you've got the juvenile classic trolley you know looking at the young dogs the the business that goes on between uh, the two countries as such in terms of the export uh, of of ground racing massively important and you know prize money levels have have increased in in ireland uh, so that's something that's proved attractive to English owners as well. But even just selfishly, to have that ability, Barry, to to actually watch it, and you know, I'm slightly old school, so i I will do the old laptop and I will do the race on the mobile. But actually watching it on the box, it's it's a lot easier and it's a lot more comfortable. And you know, you've got a chance to watch the replays and you can study up. And I think the most important thing, Barry, and this has always been my bugbear's too strong a word but the, the the inability for for uk punters to to place bets on irish ground racing certainly at the top end it was always very difficult to do this now you know you can see things happening all the time in terms of the major bookmakers and now offering prices because it's on rpg tv so they're not just maybe pricing up the irish ground derby or or the oaks or what have you they that they're, they're, they're they're pricing up the, the Mullingar on, on the Sunday afternoon. They're going to be pricing up the Truly Classic meeting. They're going to be pricing up the, the Easter Cup meeting. And that's important because, again, you know, it's, 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 you know some people don't like it, but they're, they're very much intertwined, the betting industry and the ground industry, and, and they can help each other.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. Well, look, um, I know we've you know so many fans of you know racing post Greyhound TV all over the country here. It's been a big talking point, I suppose, in recent years since they started covering um wireless Greyhound racing. We really, really appreciate it, and you know, long may that last. And you know, moving on, I suppose, before we touch about the uh, Brisbane, um Easter Cup, which is going to be the, the star attraction on Saturday night, Hobbsy. Just in terms of you know, yeah, uh, your years within within the sport, there must be a couple of standout memories that really uh, stick
1: I kind of thought you might ask me me this, and I I always say that, you know, depending on what day of the week it is, I kind of have different memories. I mean, look, I probably had a misspent youth, Barry, and, um, you know, some some long nights, but sometimes that that kind of helps with the memories, I think, in many ways, you know? So, obviously, Westmead Hawks and and those double derbies and, and... you know, that kind of best of British time was, was fantastic uh, in many ways because, obviously, you know, most of the, the, the great champions that we'd, we'd watch had been Irish bred and it was, you know, it was great, great days to see, you know, Bob Morton and Nick Saver, you know, to, do what they did with those Westmead Prefix grounds, especially with Hawke, who just captured the, the public's imagination. So that's always a very easy memory. But so too was Premier Fantasy and so too was Late Late Show. So they'd be the two grounds that for me, I think, you know, certainly with, 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 with Irish links, would, would be ones that I've got fond memories of. You know, we've, we had a good relationship with the the late, great Seamus Graham. So, um, you know, the loyal honcho story, winning at Wimbledon and, and having gone so close in the past, Seamus having gone so close in the past, you know, spent a lot of time with him because he stayed up with... Seamus Cahill, who's a you know great, great friend, great family friends of ours, and I, I live not too far away from the kennels there. So, you know, those those days and nights with Seamus Graham were, were incredible. So the loyal honcho, the, the premier fantasy situation, the the late-late show with Paul Hennessy and, and, and that family as well, and, and walking around the golf course at Gowran. You know, at the time, Barry, you, you don't, don't realise how lucky you are. It's only when you look back, you think, wow, did I do that? with that ground who absolutely was probably at that time the most famous ground in the entire world, the Late Lake Show, and, and there was you know, he was on the end of the lead on the in front of me. So amazing, amazing days. And and there's plenty more of those to to come as well. But I forget them today, but I guarantee you I'll remember them tomorrow or tonight, Barry.
0: Uh, very good Hobbsy uh, great memories and of course uh, great dogs great stories just in terms of the uh, Bresbet Easter Cup um, you know sponsors hard to come by especially these days so when uh, it was announced that uh, Bresbet were going to sponsor the East Cup Easter Cup here in Ireland it was uh, very welcoming news to us um, here and you know um, they're, they're uh, I suppose a firm that are really passionate about greyhound racing and uh, great to have them on board here yeah
1: absolutely I mean you know Bredsbet's a, a pretty new company um, you know just a brief history the former general manager at uh, Sheffield you know D- Dave Perry David Perry is the, is, the, is MD and the head of trading is, is Carl Perry you know a guy that uh, you know as a former greyhound trainer of the, the G-Lo Prefix grounds owned by uh, the chairman uh, Nick Rereton the you know the, their passion for, for, for greyhound racing has, has probably ended up you know spawning this you know this company, and and they specialise in in football. They specialise in horse racing, but they specialise in ground racing, and it's that kind of has manifested itself in the sponsorships uh, of the of the Arms Derby last year, also the Steel City Cup at Sheffield last year as well. And then you know they've, all, they've always looked across at, you know, at Irish ground racing, and, and you know looking for an opportunity. And when this came up, and you know, it's a two-year deal to, to sponsor, which I believe is the oldest open ground race in Ireland, isn't it? I think it even just preceded the, the Irish Derby. You know, It has a fantastic history, the Easter Cup. So, um, I, you know, for Bresbeth to be associated with, with something so prestigious as the Easter Cup, you know, it, it's fantastic. So, as, as much as, obviously, yeah, you know, every single sponsor is... is you know is, is required whether you be uk or irish based absolutely these guys i think you know delighted to be involved in something because they're passionate about the the game i mean you, you and i have, have you know in this short space of time have used that word so often with the people that we've worked with and you know in terms of the, the makeup of, of their company they are very much pro greyhound racing and are, are looking forward to to coming across
0: uh, on march 12th the 12 for the final Yeah, they deserve all the, the support they get. If you are having a bet on um Saturday night, please do check out the uh, Bresbet website. We're just going to have a quick look run through um the four teats on Saturday night. The uh, first one you've got Romeo Magical who was 11 to 4 with Bresbet, two Ballymac Merlin was 7 to 2, three Bob Slade Dream 15 to 2, four Ballymac Wild 11 to 2, five Anti post favorite Susie Sapphire 11 to 8 and six Prizeless Jet um to one of course these prices are subject to cha- change, so obviously check up uh, for, for the latest prices just in case they have uh, went in or out. Susie Sapphire, short price. Um, Hobbsy, bit to prove, I suppose. Um, you know, obviously, look, last year she, she was unbelievable with all them big wins, but, you know, her, her two starts this season, you know, I suppose she's just a work in pro- progress at the moment. Yeah, what a, what a superstar
1: she is. I mean, you know, when when... Owen I mean, suggested that uh, the Easter Cup was going to be the early season target for for Susie Sapphire. I think you know there was a a sort of buzz in the uh, in the, in the Brabourne offices. I w- I would imagine and not surprising because you you know we talk about the you know the great uh, grounds of, of of yesteryear and and look this bitch is, is is up there with with them in terms of what she's done already. I mean, extraordinarily what she did last year with the you know the Puppy Oaks, the Oaks, and and then the Derby as as well. Those great scenes and a bitch one too was was extraordinary and I think as you say a work in progress certainly in terms of her Easter Cup challenge uh, but you can see her probably leading towards the outside it's it's a wider draw barrier for her I mean how do you think she handles that?
0: Yeah, look. I suppose on current form, I, I'd be, you know, prepared to take her on, and you know, I might be interested in trap number one, Romeo Magico. I thought he ran well in defeat um, last week after after missing his start. He was very impressive uh, prior to that in Shelburne Park, but it really is, I suppose, a fantastic heat uh, to to get the second round up and running. Yeah, absolutely, and uh,
1: yeah, i I'd, I'd, I'd probably, I maybe maybe the heart ruling the head, but I'll, I'll go with five.
0: Good stuff. I will go with one. So a bit of friendly rivalry there. Habs. on anti heat number two. We've stories. Peewee in trap number one at eight to one. Two croakers. Spirit is eleven to four. Three Culavani Duke uh, at six to four. That heads the market. You have four fast fit Paddy at eleven to two. Five Derby's delight at eight to one. And, and six you have the the big crowd pleaser Beach Avenue at seven to two. Another brilliant lineup here. It certainly
1: is. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, any Duke in, in trap three. I mean. That's a, that's some record already, isn't it? Eight wins from from nine starts and you know, impressive last week and I think in you know, has got every chance of coming away to, to do it once again, although it seems to have pace at both ends. So I'm gonna go with a white jacket.
0: Yeah, and with you on that one, Hobbsy he looks the real deal and I'm sure he'll come forward for that um, outing last week. So cool of any Duke uh, for the both of us here on the podcast. On to heat number three of the Laurel's winner, one time only in trap number one at five to two, two swords and maestro at five to one three. Barefoot Supremo is ten to one four. Jack's Little thing at seven to two, five Coom Leo at eleven to four and six sentimental lad at three to one. It's a pretty open betting race here. Uh, lots in with the chances.
1: Yeah, I've always liked Jack's little thing. I think he's going to have to be a little bit careful. I presume that, you know, is is there a chance that Coombe-Leo will, will look to take his ground? I suppose if he comes away as well as he can, then I think there's every chance of Jack's little thing being bang in the mix early on. So I'll, I'll go with four here, Barry.
0: I'm going to take a chance with the Laurels winner uh, one time only who showed his well-being uh, by winning last week of course he won that famous Laurels victory down in Correhean Park from trap number one so that has to be a positive but uh, as the betting suggested it is a very open race we're going to move on to the fourth and final heat you have uh, one night tornado at 9-4 to two sweep the yard 14-1 to three park Blake 11-4 to four Fair one at 13-2 to five Scarty Yank is 7-2 and six Bacos Vieira at
1: uh, Eleven to four. Plenty of class here, isn't there? In in, in many ways, um, Bocos Vieira for, for for UK owners, uh, Bev Lockhead and, and Graham Box, and we certainly would have to have every chance. Got plenty of improvement, I think. The calm Night Tornado gives Graham Holland a, a massive chance here. I think you know he's got four of the, of the runners. So hey, look, maybe may, maybe I just go with uh, with Sprat Six here
0: yeah I'm just with trap number 6 as well Bacchus Vieira um, I was excited about seeing Perp Blake back in racing action um, last year I think there's a, or last week I should say I think there's a big competition in him this year but just looks like that he might need another uh, couple of runs to, to be seen at his very best but all in all a fantastic night um, on Saturday night and uh, no doubt Hobbs you'll be looking forward to tuning in
1: yeah absolutely tuning in and um and, and hoping to to get across the water as well so um yeah looking looking forward to that i mean it's been a while i think for obvious reasons that um you know many people have been able to travel i know that's obviously you know crowds are, are coming relatively recently which is which is always good and um yeah i mean you know sort of one or two of the memories that still keep flooding as i'm talking to you so you know standing up on the Yeah, and the second floor at uh, Shelburne Park, sort of post-racing and and chewing the fat, with the late great Michael Fortune was always was always good. You know, we we, I think you mentioned the word that rivalry, that friendly rivalry, and there was always a glint in Michael's eye when you when you were comparing, you know, UK and Irish-based grounds, and uh, you know, obviously he was flying the flag his side I was flying the flag my side but it was brilliant and uh, and absolutely love it and and you know thankfully I'm still able to do that from time to time with his son Ian so that's that's always that's always good and and obviously when those guys come across to you know obviously you know it was Wimbledon and and then Nottingham but when they come over to toaster as as well and looking forward to many of them you know coming across to 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 maybe have a go at the uh, the English derby again this year because the Irish challenge is so so important uh, for that. It's just a shame we we don't kind of reciprocate. I'm not too sure why that is. Maybe it's you know some of the English trainers not as confident. But thankfully, one or two of them do have a go when they've uh, when they've got the ground to travel.
0: Yeah, that's uh, you can't beat the, the friendly rivalry. And, and just, I suppose, my final question, uh, Hobbsy, wa- was going to be about Toaster Track? You know, it seems like there's, you know, unbelievable work um, going on there. Um, anyone that has been there in the past, it's, you know, it's a fantastic night out. It's, it's a huge occasion. And, you know, and, and very important, I suppose, for racing in the UK to have, you know, one of, one of those, you know, big tracks that are really, you know, trying hard and, you know, to, to put ground racing, you know, back on, on top of the map.
1: Yeah, I think what Kevin Boothby, Boothby is doing at Poster is quite extraordinary. You're right, you know, Graham Racing, you know, needs those flagship tracks. Ireland has it in Melbourne Park. You know, he's got plenty of others. you know, magnificent as well, and there's, there's plenty of that, others. But what he's has done with poster with, with in, in what were difficult circumstances initially, and then obviously became even more difficult when you know times became covid affected and what have you but he's branching out you know news about oxford i think is fantastic i I spoke earlier about the sort of lack of city center venues um that's you know relatively close to to, to london so you know it's a pretty vibrant city as well so i think people in and around oxford and and further on are are excited by the prospect of, of returning to oxford which I think, if memory serves, he me, didn't last race in something like 2012. So, you know, similar to, you know, he's revived close to Kevin, and looking to do exactly the same. He's already done it with Mildon Hall now, stuff it down, doing that with, with uh, Oxford as, as well. So he has to take great credit. But there are other pro- promoters as well they are trying to push ahead, you know, obviously with the Entain tracks and the the four major tracks there. And, you know, in terms of their open race program. You know, that's superb. You know, we have just finished the, the Golden Jacket. We're uh, looking ahead. I think this well, this weekend, of course, is the uh, the laboratory Winter Derby at, at Monmore. So again, you know, that high-end, top-quality ground racing, something for owners and trainers always to to set their sights on. And we've always, again, going back, we've got to look forward. And and what they that they're doing with their open races, I think, is tremendous as well
0: yeah well that's uh, fantastic to hear and we'll be looking forward to all those uh, big races of course um, on UK soil as well and you know long live Greyhound racing obviously it was absolutely fantastic um, to speak to you on the Talking Dogs on, uh, on Thursday podcast and you know hopefully we might catch up again uh, soon and you know keep flying the flag and no doubt uh, we'll, we'll be tuning into to um, racing post Greyhound TV as well for, for all the big racing there Sean so uh, thanks a million for joining us on the podcast
1: well thank you Barry and uh, you know keep up the great work and I've enjoyed this so you know you've got my number any time you want to do it just give me a call and we we'll are cracked on
0: Thanks very much Habsy Talking Dogs on Thursday with Barry Drake. for all the latest greyhound racing news check out
1: grisland.ie/talkingdogs